Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me on the line, back from Vancouver, but not here physically, uh, here spiritually, and here uh, telephonically, Eric Kareen. Eric, uh, noted noted swear-sayer, Eric Kareen. What's going on, man? Uh, you know, I'm just being right on the internet today as far as uh, a certain blogs, Raptors rankings are going. Cussing, uh, cussing up a storm on the timeline. Well, I mean... You know, you fight fire with fire. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, we're certainly uh, not going to talk about anyone else's work. That's no. Uh, you know, some people are able to contextualize Raptors history, and some people aren't. It's yeah. fine. Put some respect on Amir Johnson, and this wouldn't be a problem. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just just absurdity. And I, guess, then, I guess we can talk then, about current Raptors, but yeah. And then he used... Uh, ra- he used the same logic to, that he has Danielle Marshall over um, over Amir. over Amir Johnson with. Uh, he sort of reversed it to have Jonas Valanciunas ahead of Damon Stoudemire. Like, which one is it? D- does it matter if you shine brightly and shortly, or does it matter that you made a lasting impact on, on the franchise? Like, choose one. That's choose choose an ethos. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah, that's uh, that's good advice. No, I wouldn't put too much stock into it. From the guy yeah. who finds mayonnaise too spicy, uh, you know, <laughs> your, your takes are going to be a little too spicy for him. Uh, it's actually good not to be married to one way of thinking, but uh, I, I don't think that's the argument here. I, I don't think he was getting that philosophical with it. <laughs> anyway, uh, we we could talk about something else. Uh, you just got back from training camp. You were there sure for about a week out in Vancouver. Uh, we'll say you're out in Burnaby because I don't like Vancouver. So you were in uh, Burnaby for a week. I spent and... significant time in Burnaby, yeah. Yes. Uh, you Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know, and, and I've got this question a couple times during preseason. I wasn't there, so I wouldn't be able to answer it even if it was different, but... Uh, Media do not get to go into practice and watch practice. When the doors open up up for us, uh, at least, I, I shouldn't say in general, but at least with the Raptors, as long as I've been around the team, uh, once doors open up, you might see some three-on-three or some one-on-one, but for the most part, guys are just getting individual work in at that point. So, you know, Saturday night, their first exhibition game, that was my first look at what Kawhi Leonard looked like uh, doing anything but, like, taking uncontested pregame warm-up shots. Uh, and then... Bigger picture in terms of how guys look and how different combinations look, uh, we will find out when you do in preseason games. But Eric, you were there on the ground, and I'm sure you picked up a lot more than I could have from uh, my bedroom here in Toronto. Uh, so tell I mean, us everything. That's debatable. Um, I think like the one overwhelming theme is that not only in the preseason, but in the regular season, it's going to be a lot more experimental than than we're used to. Uh, and I'm talking about lineup combinations. I'm talking about approaches to starters and just overall role definition. It's something uh, I actually wrote about right before camp too, was that, yeah, yeah Hey, we're not going to get a lot of answers because yeah. Nick nurse has basically come out and said, he's going to, instead of answering the questions you want answered, he's going to ask a whole bunch more questions. Yeah. And find those and, answers. And which I think is a, a savvy way to look at a, a roster that's over that has undergone some overgone 
What what would overgone mean? Uh, anyway, that is undergone uh, not a significant amount of change, but uh, you know the changes that did happen are obviously significant. Um, so you know the amount isn't high, but the the importance of those moves obviously really change the framework of this team. And I, I you know the most interesting thing he said is uh, to me was either before uh, I think it was after uh, the game against Portland. He said it shouldn't be so hard for, you know, one center to come in for another or one shooting guard to come in for another, which was basically his way of saying, you know, we don't want to play two different styles for the starters and the backups. And I think that makes a lot that, of sense. And I think that was overblown a little bit last year. Like the we think of the the bench being this like run happy uh, you know, sort of... Look, man, I did my I, best to shoot that down. The bench played at a slower tempo than the yeah. starters. They just no. forced a lot of live ball turnovers. Yeah, um, and I think that's basically how he wants everybody to play now. Is, is, you know, they want to use the the overall length and yes. defensive Have you seen the size of, the... of Kawhi Leonard's hands? He can touch <laughs> any ball within 20 feet of him. Yeah, And, like, I, you have DeLon Wright, who will probably play with the starters some, who is, like, an elite live ball turnover forcer. And you've and, got Siakam, who's a horse, and all these And guys. you've got Jonas, who can do that and go coast-to-coast. Coast Jonas, who can not only go coast-to-coast, coast, but throw outlet passes now. <laughs> he can Eurostep now. He's got um, that nice little lefty finish after Yusuf Nurkic bites on another pump fake. So I, I think, you know, in general, not say goodbye to the bench mob or anything like that, but it's going to be a lot more of a fully integrated roster uh, and, you know, we made such a big deal of role cards and role definition the last few years. Uh, Nick Nurse is going to want to, you know, give all of these guys a chance to be, uh, you know, their fullest selves and, and not necessarily keep them in a, in a box. And that might mean they overreach on occasion. But uh, overall, I think it's you know, an exciting thing for the franchise. Yeah, I think overreaching is a better strategy than not, like, just staying within yourself. Um, than underreaching? Yeah. If we're going to do the overgone, yeah, overgone, so, underreaching. As long as we're inventing words. Um, yeah, so uh, this is something I talked to Nick Nurse about at Summer League as well, and this was specific to Summer League, but I figured it's going to carry over into the season. One of the things we talked about was uh, the defensive aggression, which he's been fairly open. He wants to force more turnovers. Um, and you saw it on Saturday that there were some mistakes uh, of commission and, you know, guys trying to do a little too much or, or they, they actually weren't supposed to be switching a lot against Portland, but they were doing it pretty naturally anyway. Um, and that led to some blown coverages, but they did great forcing a lot of turnovers. And there are going to be some costs to that, like fouling, like occasionally, you know, making the bad gamble. Uh, but his point was it's a lot easier to be aggressive out of the gate and then dial that back, then play conservatively and then later tell guys, oh, well, now go be more aggressive. And I think that it's a, probably a similar line of thinking to his mix and matching with the lineup where, yeah, it, it's going to be weird to not roll with a starting unit and a bench unit that you know can be really good as standalone units. But if you play conservatively with your lineups and then come playoff time, every game you're playing a handful of lineups that have played three or four or zero minutes together all year, that is more difficult than, okay, try a bunch of different things now and if later in the year we determine that we're better off with a more you know, stationary rotation, that's an easier change to make. So I think 
you know, I yeah, think it I makes think sense like, logically. You, you, go sorry, ahead, go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just like thinking back to the playoffs last year. At times, Jakob Pertl was unplayable. Yeah. Um, but they played Jakob Pertl every game in almost the same role in the first three quarters of every game, and that left them scrambling a bit when that wasn't the case. And and that happens in every playoff series because you pick up, you pick on matchups. Uh, you know, it's it's a lot more matchup driven basketball. I think we can say than the regular season is when you're just trying to stay consistent and, and keep things humming along and you need to be prepared for that. And, you know, there are series, you know, if the Raptors do what they want to do, Jonas Valanciunas might be marginalized in a series and, or, you know, somebody like CJ miles might be marginalized in a series and you have to be ready for all of these uh, eventualities. And, and you want people who are comfortable with one another. Yes, yeah, that makes absolute sense. And you mentioned Pirtle, and you know CJ Miles is another guy who I know the piece you wrote on him and, and how honest he was about things the other day was great. And, and the fact that he came into camp, you know, at a much lighter body fat, uh, low key, you know, he was I think he was the highest body fat guy on the team last year for training camp. And you know he's a veteran and knows how to work himself into shape and stuff, but he didn't. He didn't, uh, you know, really find his stride except for small pockets of the regular season. Um, you know, he was a guy in the playoffs that maybe shouldn't have been out there, but he was a part of the bench mob. And um, and yeah, so, so I think in general, and we've talked about this a little throughout the offseason um, off the podcast, it's just it's going to make a lot of sense to see what else works. And, you know, you know, you can be a 55 win team playing this way, but can you play like a 55 win team in the playoffs playing a different way? And you know, that's going to be, it's going to be not frustrating at times, but it might be, it's th- some things might be wrong and things might be a little head scratching at times or things in retrospect. It's like, well, why would you use that? Uh, although on Saturday night, he threw out maybe the worst five man unit you could make from their 12 rotation guys. And they still were really good. Um, so. <laughs> well, th- Portland uh, wasn't exactly playing yes. their, uh, their best possible rotation. Yeah. So. Um, but it, I still found it funny that like, yeah, you have at least 11 guys you could be pretty confident in out there. And Norman Powell looked a lot better Saturday. So maybe that's 12. Uh, I probably want to see a little bit more of it before I convince myself of that. But yeah, it's going to be hard to find <laughs> mix and match groups that, that don't work because you have so few one way players and you have so few guys who can't offer a modicum of spacing and, um, yeah, so I think I think it makes a lot of sense uh, from my selfish perspective. Uh, we're well, not I don't, gonna ha- I don't think gonna- it's selfish. It's just your perspective. No, it's selfish because like I want I want uh, answers and I want more data. Blake, I want more richer data. data. Yeah, so we're gonna have you know I don't think you're gonna have a lineup that has 700 minutes together and is a you know definitive top five high usage lineup or anything like that. But, you know, you're going to be able to see trends. And obviously, you know, with lineup data anyway, it's also noisy that you're you're looking to confirm or shoot down, you know, what makes sense on paper and, you know, what your your priors are about certain lineups and certain combinations of players. So, um, you know, it's not like we're dogmatic about the lineup data anyway. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fun and it's going to be maybe hard to glean conclusions from for a little while. But that's OK. For whatever for whatever it's worth, too, I don't know this. It's just a hypothesis. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure that OG Ananobi would have started in place of Miles in that first game had he been uh, with the team. Yes, I, uh, that was my that was my thinking as well. And then my question would be, was Norman Powell not in that rotation until the second half then? Or was CJ Miles not in that rotation to the second half? Uh, there's a lot that trickles from that. Oh, we'll see more on Tuesday. OG Ananobi won't be with the team again for Tuesday night's game in Utah, uh, as far as I understand it. Um, I haven't heard, like, they didn't even mention anything until Saturday, so uh, uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah, that I don't, I don't really want to talk. Specific, I don't yeah. really want to talk specifics about that. But the team's going to give him as much time as he needs. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be back with them until they're back in Toronto. Um, but that might, uh, you know, maybe that changes. I'm not sure. Indeed. What else you got for us from training camp? Is is Kyle is Kyle Lowry still cranky, or is everything nice now that they got to be on the floor? And oh my God, you get to play with Kawhi Leonard, and it's a lot of fun. No, he's a bad guy. Um, well, it was an interesting week with Kyle. <laughs> um, he doesn't make things easy for us, certainly, which is you know beat writer minutia. Uh, but you know, in, in that same way, he doesn't make things easy on himself necessarily like he could have come out you know the second day after media day and say you know i spent some time with Kawhi. we're getting along uh and you know i I really like he could have basically said what he said on friday he could have said it on wednesday but he didn't and that leads to speculation because he you know to recap he declined media requests on wednesday and thursday uh, you know, whether it means he just wanted to go golfing or he's mad, I have no idea. <laughs> um, it could very easily be the former. Do you want to know what the actual answer is? Sure. He, was, he just likes to push buttons. He likes to be, yeah, he's difficult uh, in, in certain ways. And It's funny to me, honestly. Way, like, I, don't, I, I don't mean to be all, I'm not mad, it's actually funny to me, but I wasn't even there, so it literally was just yeah. funny to me. Um, the way I put it to a few writers is, uh, never has somebody tried to act like he doesn't want attention, uh, who more wants attention than Kyle Lowry. Um, he, he just likes to be a bit difficult and likes to make some point that's sort of hard to read. And at the end of the day, he's sociopathically competitive (laughs) And wants to win, so it probably won't matter a whole lot, you know? Like, the piece I I wrote on Friday was basically like, yeah, he's probably a bit upset with the team. He's probably a bit upset with what people have written about him because he's, you know, there there was a TSN report that he wasn't returning phone calls from... Well, that's that's part of the issue on your own is when when you don't talk is that that opens up a space for other people exactly exactly or say things for and that's what i mean by making things more difficult on himself like he doesn't need to be that way he just kind of likes to be that way but it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy like the media doesn't like me therefore i'm not going to talk therefore you know reporting will go on and you know to try and explain this slightly bizarre behavior and i'm going to get more upset at the media like, uh, if, if that's what it is and it's not, you know, having a two thirty tea time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look, no. I, I know what some of the courses are like in Vancouver and the surrounding Vancouver area. And it would not at all surprise me if that were the answer too. yeah. 
Yeah. It's going to be fine, is my way of saying it. When he did yeah. talk on Friday, he said, you know, we're deep as hell. Uh, we got to figure out a way to get on the same page, but we've got so many options. And I think that's what everybody sees about the team. And he's going to he's going to do his best to maximize it because he's a smart guy. He's turning 33 this year. He wants to, you know, make a further run at a championship. and A this, gold ball. A gold ball. And this is probably the best um, chance he has had to do that from a talent perspective. It certainly is. And look, okay. Have so ever I guess somebody I, called the Larry O'Brien Trophy a gold ball? Had I? Yeah. No, not until media day, no. Okay, all right. And this certainly is- not like seven <laughs> times in a row. Yeah, yeah, just making sure because maybe, you know, maybe I'd missed, I thought maybe I'd missed something. Um, and I'm sure it has been said, but it was strange. Strange, strange wording. Okay. Yes. Anyway, uh, there was a game. There was. We obviously can't take too much from it because it was a preseason game. Or we can take everything from it. Who knows? Yes. Yeah, I would like to at least take JV's highlight reel and just bottle that up so whenever I need a boost, it's just there on the shelf. Um, that was awesome. He looked like he was having so much fun. And he didn't even start. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's I. I actually found the JV coming off the bench part interesting because, you know, if you were switching up your lineups during the regular season, uh, Portland is the type of team it would make the most sense for him to start against because of Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, but I think that just tells you that Nick Nurse is not particularly concerned about winning the preseason games. He wants to just see how different stuff looks. Nurse basically said uh, Ibaka and JV will be flipped in Game Two. Uh, mm-hmm. That's up for revision, I'm sure, as everything else is. But, you know, it seems like he'll start in in Utah on Tuesday night. Cool. I wonder who else will start. Mm, probably the same guys, but maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe you maybe you start someone else in that C.J. Miles spot. Maybe see what Siakam looks like. Yeah. The uh, It's weird. The Siakam-JV pairing has not traditionally been super good, but it was kind of fun off the bench. That was before Siakam was the second-best player in the NBA. That's true. Behind DeLon Wright, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, DeLon Wright, man. I was on a podcast the other week, and someone asked. It was uh, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Yeah. And they asked, they were like, what is like the one thing about the Raptors that people who don't watch them for 82 games might sleep on? And I was, DeLon Wright was my answer. It's just like, he, he does one thing a game where you're just like, what? And you tweet your little acronym and... He's yeah. very good. Uh, he just, he's just one of those guys who the game slows down for a little bit. Uh, Nick Nurse was saying about that about Kawhi Leonard, but it, it, it rarely seems, it, it just seems like he, he has the ball in a string sometimes and can see things developing before uh, other guys can. And he has, you know, pretty magnificent, body control and and uh, odd pacing that gets defenders off off balance it's uh it's interesting to watch the raptors have uh three very good point guards which i hear is useful in the modern game yeah in a nick nurse offense particularly yeah, yeah. and hey how who are you to leave that at three uh lorenzo brown was dominant <laughs> when the game got down to uh you know the g league players yeah. he was clearly the G League MVP. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's. Uh, I wonder if he's gonna be like the quadruple, the typical quadruple A player, or if he can uh, eventually crack some sort of rotation. If not this one at full health. Yeah, at least financially now he's not a quad A player. He's got an eight hundred thousand dollar guarantee that'll keep him on the roster at least until January. So mm. at least he's got that. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I'm just. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't, for, I don't know I'm if we'll get the opportunity. A minute, so at some point, whether it's this year, or probably not this year unless there's an injury, but you know, or years to come. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because some of the things that would be his limiting factors, uh, it's not entirely clear if they'll be limiting factors in the NBA. Like, like he's never shot the three well, which is obviously a problem for a guard in the NBA. But also, almost the entirety of his three point attempts have been pull ups. He's never really been in a, a spot-up role because whenever yeah, he's in the G League, he's the best player on the floor. And at, at least with the 905, a lot of his three-point attempts were like grenade three-point attempts. Like, uh-oh, five seconds left. Get Lorenzo Brown the ball. Yeah. So uh, Yeah, we'll see. It's, uh... I, don't, uh, I don't think he's more than a third NBA point guard. But, uh, you know. He's a good one. <laughs> yeah. We haven't seen, you know, we don't have enough of an NBA sample. Uh, and hey, even if a third, a, like a nominal third point guard, is your fourth point guard, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, the Raptors have depth, as you might have heard. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to Jordan Lloyd yet. Yeah, I was going to leave that to you. Yeah. Um, no, we didn't get a we didn't get a long look at any of the guys competing. Jordan Lloyd got about eight minutes. Uh, Eric Moreland came in. Uh, fairly late. Kay Felder got some run alongside Lorenzo Brown and Jordan Lloyd, which was, you know, a three-point guard G League lineup. Nick Nurse is doing these things just for me, I think. Yeah, he uh, he did shout you out post game. Yeah, the uh, the the best would be if he started running three point guards and two centers as a <laughs> as a like all G League lineup. Put Eric uh-huh. Moreland. I, I guess he actually did because Boucher and Moreland were the other two guys on the floor. Amazing. That was- that was my first time seeing Chris Boucher uh, up in close person? and in person. Man, is uh, he skinny. Yeah, but he yeah, does but some fun stuff. Yeah, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying he might be broken in some sort of game. Yeah, he's yeah. listed he, at 6'11", 200 pounds, I think. Oh, my God. Which is... Uh, that's absurd. Yeah, that's, not, was, that's not a plausible weight-height combination. I think that's what he's listed at. Well, you are the you have been pouring over what people are listed at. Oh That's yeah, I am very annoyed, and I hope the Raptors saw that tweet and update their media guide accordingly, uh, because the fact that Bruno Caboclo has not grown an inch or gained one pound in his four years in the NBA uh, is very frustrating to me. The fact that no one on the Raptors has grown or gained or lost any weight in their entire time as Raptors bothers me way more than it should. Have you booked your trip down to Rio Grande uh, yet for the Bruno feature? No, I'll wait until he's here visiting. Yeah, but you can just get so much more time with him if you go down, like during a Viper's homestand. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't anticipate doing that. Okay. But maybe. Uh, wow, Basketball Reference has Chris Boucher listed at 6'10", 182. No, that's like what I weigh. You're 6'10"? No, I said that's what I weigh. Yes, I know. No, um, I am not six ten. Man, you're only you're one eighty two, eh? Uh, I guess you're you're. Uh, let's you, not talk you about it. Type, I, I, you keep it tight. I keep it tight. I'm I'm not a 
muscular fellow. No, it's more just that I, I weigh much more than people would seem to think. And when if people find out my weight, they're a little surprised at it. Yeah, but you're, you're uh, you know. Fat, a, yeah. No, you're a thick guy is what I was going to say. You know? Okay, the Raptors officially list Boucher as 6'10", 200. So that, that's... <laughs> that mystery is uh, yeah. solved. Which is like, it's crazy when you look at some of the other height weights on the team. So he's the same height as Serge Ibaka and Eric Moreland, but 35 to 40 pounds lighter than either of them. And he's a full 65 pounds lighter than JV or Greg Monroe and ostensibly is going to fill the same position. I believe all of that. <laughs> he, yeah. he looks 65 pounds lighter than Greg Monroe. Yes, this is why... And that's not a slide on Greg Monroe, who yelled at me this week. He yelled so, at you for what? Only kind of. I uh, um, I brought up the, you know, the being maybe, you know, being out outpaced by the evolution of the game. I, I put it in nicer ways, but... And he'd heard that question one too many times, I think. Uh, yeah. Try to adapt that he was more. He didn't yell, but he was like, you know, you uh, you guys ask the same question. We could only say the same thing. What else? What else do you want to say? Which I respect. I yeah. it must be frustrating, and uh, I wish there were a different way to ask it, and there isn't always. I'm looking forward to having Greg Monroe on the roster. This is unrelated to your point. Um, he, I, I talked to him at media day a little bit, and he was. I had talked to him before when he was with the Bucks and the Bucks were here during the playoffs and I found him to be uh, pretty insightful. Mm -hmm. I asked him some like X's and O's questions on media day. He's great. I think yeah, I'm going to enjoy think talking like yeah. basketball nerd stuff with him. Yeah. Um, also, he has really nice eyes. Yeah. I, I know that is your opinion. Uh, he, I, I think he's a smart dude and, and you obviously have to be to navigate a career like he has. Uh, it's been a really interesting career for him. Um, yeah, I'm uh, interested to see his playmaking role. Uh, the Raptors, I there were a handful of times uh, in the game the other night where they ran split cuts over top of a post up, including once when Kyle Lowry was posting up. And it's something that has always stood out to me as a potentially really simple wrinkle added to their offense that would help. Like, so for anyone who doesn't know, a split cut is so say JV has the ball on the left block, um, two perimeter players would run past each other, not really screen for each other, but just kind of crisscross above the top. And Create then, chaos and see if right. the defenders And lose. now what that prevents is it means any help on the post-up has to come from the weak side, which if you have playmaking bigs on the floor, opens up some passing or a kick and swing uh, that the defense has to scramble back out to. Uh, but mostly it just means that, you know, if you have JV, who is a great post scorer, but at times in the past has been a little turnover prone down there because he doesn't read the pass necessarily right away. That makes it really hard for a perimeter player to dig down and double uh, in that post. The double almost has, almost has to come from the other side. And if a team does double down or um, gets confused on the split cut over top, that's a really easy pass uh, for any big to make, but particularly bigs who are as uh, good at passing as Greg Monroe or who have improved passing like Jonas Valanciunas. So um, it's a pretty simple wrinkle, and it lets you, you know, those split cuts can run into other things on, on the weak side of the floor from there. Um, but it's a pretty basic thing, and, and it helped Lowry on one possession I'm thinking of. He ended up taking like a like a, a shot just inside the elbow, and he had plenty of room to operate because no one could really pack down on him. And I think, you know, Monroe's an interesting guy for that. We've seen him operate at the elbows a lot in the past. Um 
you know, I think Raptors fans, if you think back to the Milwaukee series, uh, Milwaukee was killing the Raptors for half that series with a corner offense where basically Monroe initiated from one of the elbows while two other players screened for each other in the corner. And then you have a cut option, you have a flare option, uh, you have going right into kind of a, a dribble handoff with Monroe as an option. It's similar to, if you guys remember back to the Eastern Conference Finals, when that LeBron and bench unit scored like 15 possessions in a row against the Raptors in one game. I, I was going to say, wait, a corner offense has killed the Raptors? Yeah, uh, it's very similar, but, you know, obviously the gravity of having LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love do it is a little different than, you know, it might be Greg Monroe, Kyle Lowry, and C.J. Miles. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to be a little deadlier with, with LeBron, uh, even if it's with Richard Jefferson and Matthew Delvadova, apparently. <laughs> uh, anyway, Monroe opens up some fun stuff, and Monroe told me that they hadn't really um, tried new stuff too much yet. They were basically just, everyone was still at that point getting up to speed on, you know, the playbook from last year, which I think makes sense because that was a heavy Nick Nurse playbook last year. Yeah. Well, according to Nick Nurse, they only have, like, nine plays, so... Right, they only have nine, like, scripted ATO or out-of-bounds plays, I think. You know, they still... They have action. They What they have is setups to get into the offense. Yeah, they have a lot of continuity action off of, like, really basic stuff they'll set up. And, and like, that motion offense that they rolled out more and more of last year, you know, those aren't plays. It's a lot of read and react. Yeah. But it's still, you know, there's a system, if not scripted plays. Did you have a favorite moment from the first game? Uh, I'll go with the, mine if you if you want if you want me to if you want to think on it. Yeah, I, like my mine was the the JV Eurostep. Yeah, I um, my favorite. We talked a lot about Pascal Siakam after the game, and I think we've known that he can obviously get a rebound and push it. But there was a play in transition where he got the ball. He was past the ball like just inside or, or right behind the three-point line. And, you know, I think we're long past the point of viewing uh, Siakam as a traditional big. But, you know, most bigs either have to stop or slow down a second to not travel in that situation. And he just put the ball right on the floor, drew defenders with them, and, and found a trailing Van Vliet who hit the three. Like, that's amazing stuff for a player his size. Uh, forget about like the, you know, getting a rebound and running to be able to catch it and not just slow things down automatically is such a huge thing for, uh, the Raptors. Yeah, it's great. It's, uh, you know, it's Pascal Siakam could be really good. He's special. I mean, he's already quite good, but yeah, uh, you know, we didn't get to see the three balls drop in. We didn't get to see those pull-up threes that were advertised. But Yeah, Nick Nurse said he, he sort of wants to see him take a bit more time with, with the release and take a bit more time to square. Um, but, you hey, know. I, lo- well, I love the specificity of Nurse's answers on some of the, the more technical stuff. I, yeah, like, uh, I, I was saying this, like, you know, Dwayne Casey was great and kind. And Nurse seems like he, in terms of dealing with the media, and Nurse seems like he'll be the same, but, you know, if Dwayne Casey had one thing, he really didn't like getting into specifics. Well, we had our running thing, where at the end of every scrum, I would ask my very specific question, and he would wink at me and laugh and tell me absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, Which is a skill. Yeah, I mean, it was a skill for him to manage that relationship to where I wasn't getting annoyed, but... (laughs) Uh, but also, I guess it was a skill on my end for to not annoy him and be able to ask the same question, like a similar question, 82 games a year and have him not wring my neck. 
Well, I hope you're getting ready for Detroit to make their first appearance uh, and have some Piston-specific X's and O's questions. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to do that. i gotta got to give the throwback for him. Uh, maybe, who knows? Maybe he'll maybe he'll tell us now. Uh, yeah. I doubt it, but... I mean, he won't, but... Yeah. So it's a thing to hope for. Yeah, so uh, the other thing, the Raptors got through the preseason game with no injuries. That's, That's positive. Fine. Yeah. It sounds like everyone is pretty healthy in camp. Is that accurate, Eric? I haven't heard otherwise. That's good. You didn't see anyone, you know, with anything worse than the ice on their knees or anything like that? A lot of ice, but yeah. uh, Fred Van Vliet had his uh, shoulder... Heavily wrapped in ice. Uh, uh, Fred Van Bleet was also wearing uh, the Michael Sarah bodysuit <laughs> at one point, and a W. Okay, can we talk about the wrestling belts? Actually, uh, we can. So, I'm Will Lou has a theory that I did this. Well, uh, I did a, not. That's just an incorrect theory. Yeah, um, like as, as if you would have any pull on this team. No. Uh, what do you? Uh, what uh? What are your thoughts on the on the belt? Did it? Did anyone actually like explain it? Because I, I'm actually super annoyed because I knew about this and I had planned to do a story on it. No. Um, when they came back off the road, I didn't realize that it was going to be a thing before. Well, know, before blame the- Fred Van Vliet for like openly wearing one to his media scrum. Well, they've all been. You see on their social too, though. Yeah. They've been you know. Uh, yeah, but I don't think anybody would have asked it based on an Instagram picture, uh, other than you. That's that's true. Also, I don't know if I'll even get to talk to Nate Bjorkren about it, so who knows. That is the correct pronunciation of Bjorkren, by the way. I it was I, I was told the Icelandic singer plus the bird is how you pronounce his name. Okay. Um, which is important. Because um, as you know, whenever we go up to coaches, we call them Mr. Blank, as opposed yeah. to by their first name or coach. Yeah, I, I'm actually, so I'm glad you clarified the pronunciation, but I'm struggling to figure out how else you would pronounce that. Um, not, like, people aren't out there pronouncing it with a hard J, are they? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, you throw Scandinavian names in there, and it, and it becomes a bit confusing uh, for some people. Yeah, my, uh, uh, my and, a K, and a K followed by a W is just, you know, weird. Or is there a W in his name? Whose? Bjorkren. No. Okay, so it's just K to R. Yes. Okay. No, there's, anyway. I think there's a G in there, too. A, a what in there? A G? Is, a G? Okay, whatever. It's Bjorkren. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're in case people... Yeah, there's a G in there, for sure. Okay, in case people missed it, they're... They have two belts, I believe, and they're rewarding different things in each training camp practice or what I assume will carry over to practice. One day it was, you know, for the most deflections. One day there was a one-on-one contest. There was a two-on-two tournament. uh, And, you know, it's just another way to keep, you know, to to make the monotonous slightly less monotonous and allow guys to be competitive. And I think it's, uh, it's a good, fine thing. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. It's a, it's, I, I do like the idea of trying to keep camp as loose as possible with things like that and the music choices and, you know, one-on-one competitions and stuff like that. And especially when it's like, not, I don't think many of the players feel it necessarily, but this is a high, you know, profile situation. Like if, yeah. you, if you're looking across the league at 30 teams, 
the Raptors are one of the top three most interesting stories this season. Uh, well, I don't know. Zach Lowe hasn't released the second half of his league pass rankings yet. Well, so now being visually arresting is not the same thing as being interesting necessarily. Right, but I also think they're going to be visually arresting. I agree. Visually but... arousing, even if the the couple minutes of of the preseason game they have hey now, hey now, yes. So, Eric, if you, uh, I was going to try to shoehorn something about us giving away belts, but I'm not going to do it. Okay. I already gave a belt away. I gave one to Katie at our, oh, the athletic subscriber event you missed yeah. because you were in Vancouver. Yeah, second year in a row. I'm glad to be valued. Yeah, well, I mean, you were at training camp. That's that's important. I gladly would have switched places with you. Yeah, well, anyway. Yeah. Um, how was it? Fun? Yeah, we had, a, we had a panel, myself, Katie, Haley, and Vivek, uh, which was fun. Um, you know, I the audio wasn't the uh, the best because I kept thinking we were getting mic feedback on stage and then everyone else was like, no, you, there was no mic feedback. So it's weird. Um, anyway, it was fine. It was fun. Um, really good turnout. The hockey panel was super deep, which you would expect from the athletics hockey coverage. Uh, it was good. Got to see readers and, you know, guys like Justin Bourne and Andrew Stoughton and yeah, it was fun. Good people. Yeah. Little, uh, little strange with the drink tickets, you know, that's all I'll say. I don't know what that means. It just means I had trouble. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't able to hoard them like I expected to. I wasn't able to corner people and shake them down for the drink tickets. I'm sorry. Also, I got absolutely rolled at Big Buck Hunter on the other side of the rec room. (laughs) My roommate came out, uh, one of my roommates came out and just embarrassed me at Big Buck Hunter. It was, uh. Well, it's it's my gentle nature. I just have trouble, you know, killing innocent things in a video game. And I guess, you know, I guess he doesn't. If yeah. he wants to bathe in the blood of the innocent uh, to win a game, you know, that's just the difference between us. It's just like in the third episode of Sports Night where uh, Jeremy, played by, I um, can't remember his name now, has doesn't want to produce a hunting seg- segment because he's too, uh, it, it doesn't agree with his ethics. Um, and that's the same reason you're not good at uh, Big Buck Hunter. Yeah. Sure. It's a, it's a good reference that people will relate to. Yeah. Yeah, if we could get that show on uh, one of the streaming services, that would be wonderful. Uh, I have the DVDs, I believe, if you ever want to borrow them. I have nothing to play a DVD on. Oh, yeah. My computer doesn't work anymore either uh, with yeah. DVDs. Yeah, so I don't know what I would do there. All right, we should start wrapping this up, probably, because it's only been one game. There's not a ton to talk about. Do you have any other takeaways or things you want to mention uh, from your week at training camp? Well, I've slept approximately, uh, like, 25 of the last 32 hours, so I'm I'm feeling good. Uh, That's important. Um, Has Walter asked about me? uh, Yes, by name. Yeah, I I swept this morning, and there was, like, a whole other Walter here still, so. Aww. Yeah. Did you have you cloned him yet? No, not yet. Yeah, when I got they're, they're just like there might be like other dog hair in there yeah. and like maybe some of Steve's hair and I don't want to I don't want to end up with like a weird part golden retriever part Walter part my roommate Steve. <laughs> Sounds like the start of a sitcom. Maybe put it on uh, TGIF's lineup. Yeah, it's just a good uh, a dog that just shreds on guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is that's yeah. a very esoteric joke. People don't probably don't know who my roommates are, but um, yeah, that dog would would be able to play the shit out of some guitar. 
Yeah, when I got home yesterday, he uh, he wasn't expecting me because I'd been away all week, and mm-hmm. I got home, and he just started doing circles on the couch, and uh, then went and found his ball. Nice. Of course, I'm surprised it wasn't immediately <laughs> with him. <laughs> no, I, it's it's some response to being happy. It's I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I don't go and get something when I'm happy, but I guess I'm rarely happy. So. Yeah, who knows? I, I can't who knows what I would do if I were happy. Yes. I uh it, it occurred to me this morning that it is like fully fall now and I tweeted as much, but I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, this is the best season or this is the best season. But it's definitely the season where sad music is the best. Uh I think it has to get a bit colder, but yeah. It's but it's so rainy. It's it's perfect. Yeah, but this isn't like a fall staple. No, I guess it's not. I guess it was just like it was very mood setting. Like so, my my bedroom window uh, like backs onto an alley, and there are like where my house and the house next to it, um, both of them kind of rain falls off of it. So after it's rained, you get like that nice light sound of rain still falling, uh, and it was like perfectly a perfect like temperature to wake up to. And I was listening to the used, which is really pathetic. Uh, <laughs> The used, I don't think, are supposed to exist in 2018, but there sure. it was. Uh, I was, uh, speaking of musical uh, interludes into this podcast, um, I was walking Walter this morning, and Titus Andronicus released a three-song uh, Halloween uh, something, EP, I guess you can call it, uh, and only one song has anything to do uh, with Halloween, and it, it just sort of repeats, I'm home alone, mommy and daddy aren't here or something like that. But it's like sort of a rave up, ridiculous song. And then like watching Walking Walter walk, uh, you know, sprightly to that tune was very amusing. Nice. Everybody out, go out and find it and then picture my dog walking to it. And uh, you'll have a good time. Speaking of Titus, uh, my friend of the podcast, Eric Hartman, has like really narrowed in on this, but I think it's an idea that you would like as well. Um, there are two, because you're, uh, you know, a growing wrestling fan who eventually we're going to convert from WWE to Japanese wrestling. Cause it's much better. Uh, there are two guys who like, they're not anything like they're not names that people would know Trent Beretta and Chuck Taylor. Uh, but in like following them on Twitter, Eric discovered that they have, like their music tastes and like the music taste of people like you and I and Eric are almost complete circle Venn diagrams. <laughs> so he has it in his head that, uh, you know, this is between that and Steve, uh, eventually somehow we're all going to become friends, uh, with some overlap of music and Japanese wrestling. Well, that but sounds delightful. It's always interesting when you find out that people whose work you like share some interests with you, like, um, when I found out Bebe was a Keen fan because of James Herbert's story with him, or, um, you know. It's like how I, I relate to Kyle because we both hate people. Yeah, ex- exactly like that. That's what I meant, yeah. There, there was a good running gag this week about us asking, uh, you would, you'd appreciate this, uh, for Kyle, and, uh, one of the, yeah, and Kyle was being himself, so it became a thing. And one of the media relations person jokingly say, Kyle Collinsworth is able to talk whenever you need him. Ha. Ha. I bet he would have some interesting stories, though. He, like, he, like, missed two years of college to do a mission in Russia. Yeah. I would, I would very much like to hear about that, actually. Well, but, uh, probably have limited time. 
Yeah, I mean, he might land with the 905. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, he's a 26-year-old second-year player. There's got to be a big market for that on the waiver wire, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he'd be snapped up. Yeah, he is like, if the Raptors didn't have 17 point guards on their camp roster, he is like at least moderately interesting if he could ever figure out shooting because he's huge for a point guard and he can defend okay. And he's uh, a very like an elite rebounder for. Oh, for it's too bad DeLon Wright exists. Yeah, and you know Lorenzo Brown is already like a like a B-rate version of DeLon Wright. I don't mean that as an insult to Lorenzo Brown. I just mean that he have similar skills. Um, yes. Yes. And and DeLon Wright is quite good, where Lorenzo Brown is only kind of good. Yeah. Sorry if you're listening, Lorenzo Brown. I like your game very much. You're just behind DeLon Wright and Fred VanVleet and Kyle Lowry. Who are all making or will make millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. But hey, man, 800K guaranteed. That's not nothing. I, I would take it. I would not turn it down. Yeah. Even to be the fourth point guard. Especially to be the fourth point guard. That really seems like an ideal situation. Yes. It's like I, I, <laughs> I've argued with friends before about what the best spot on a Major League Baseball roster would be. Um, and usually people think it's a reliever because like you don't have to work that much and stuff. I I still maintain it's backup catcher. And if you could somehow be the third string catcher instead, amazing. Like when, when rosters expand to, but Reese McGuire got some serious time. Yeah, but like Russell Martin the last month. Oh that's, yeah, that, that's the spot. That's the dream. Getting paid twenty million a year and just not playing. Yeah. By the way, uh, not to make this about the Blue Jays, John Lott's piece on Russell Martin and his experience managing and what next year might look like was really, really good. All of John's stuff is really good. I know we plugged him last week because he's uh, Canada's Sports Writer of the Year, but that article is a good indication of why. If you are a Jays fan at all or a Russell Martin fan at all, you should you check that are, piece out. You are both. Yeah. And I, I am both. I like Russell. Yeah. He's uh, He's been one of my... You know, I know that media are not supposed to have, like, favorite players or whatever, but I don't cover whatever. the Jays very Jay. much. Yeah, I no. don't cover the Jays very much. Yeah, he's uh, he's my guy. Um, Ever since we talked about beard oils at spring training. Yeah, I look forward to reading it. Yeah, it was really good. Um, do you have any other parting shots before we go? Oh, by the way, I meant to ask you since we were on music. I uh, Actually, I'll ask you off air because it's more of a work thing. I don't know. Basically, okay. I, just, I just want to... If I'm going to write something after every game and I somehow develop a format, I included a song in the the one from the other night, and I kind of want to do that for every post-game thing that kind of fits. And then make a big playlist of them at the end, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, we'll talk. Yeah, we will talk. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that's probably a good idea for four or five games, and then... Then you will feel like you're forcing it, shoehorning it in, but yeah. gotta do it, because, you know, routine. Started doing it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's not a, you know, that's not what we're aiming for with, like, everyday coverage anyway so we'll talk we'll talk and we'll Um, talk to you fine listeners in a week's time yeah a weekish weekish a week is uh the long weekend a week from today so so probably yes um because i'm gone away i have a out-of-town wedding on the sunday so Mm. i will miss practice on sunday and probably monday Mm. i know no commitment yeah you get a job and it's like, whatever. Yeah, this was pre-planned. Uh, I did not uh, tell them when to have their wedding and book it around the start of my new job. But uh, you know, well, get used to doing that. I, I'm always demanding people have their weddings on certain dates. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah, except the Raptors play, so I don't know. I am I am, miss, I am missing a wedding in May because it falls like right when the end of the first round slash start of the second round would be. I just told them, no, wow. I'm not doing that. I mean, why would you have to miss it? Hey, oh. Because. No, uh, no, Raptors will miss the playoffs. That's my official Oh, pick. wow. That's a. Spicy hot take. That's All a right. terrible take. Yeah, let's end it on there. Yeah. Um, you can go back to those bad takes and swear words on Twitter for the yeah. rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, Keep that off my podcast, Eric. <laughs> it's only, uh, we only give you the cleanest, highest brow, uh, content on rap i did mumble a curse word earlier in the podcast but whatever yeah Uh, all right man uh do you have anything else before we let these people go uh no i have absolutely nothing um uh, i guess my one story is uh when portland came into the rogers arena in in uh vancouver the other night everybody was uh or a group of players was talking was just following nick stauskas and he was like, I don't know where we're going. And it just made me laugh because they assumed a Canadian knew where every, you know, knew like the format and layout of every Canadian arena. Yeah, that is funny. Uh, good crowd, by the way. Yeah, it was uh, it was good. And Shout out to the, the great humans in that garbage city. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. All right, man. We will talk. Well, I'll see you soon, but we will talk to the people probably next Tuesday. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. If only to be a reasonable man.